Welcome back. I hope the mics and every technology is working today. This is Coffee and Crest. Welcome back. Hello. <laughs> uh, we uh, had a short episode last week that didn't get posted until today, so we're three weeks behind. But it's a double feature week. It is double feature week. We'll make sure uh, everything is up smooth uh, and ready to go. We're kind of getting back into the swing of things. Uh, works, you know, after being away for Baja and uh, being away for some vacation things, it's just uh, been busy. But we're getting back into the swing of it. Don't you worry. Haven't forgot about our coffee and Christ lovers, especially the ones in Uganda. There's ones in Uganda. I don't know. I think so. Uh, there's so I haven't many. Haven't looked in a while. I haven't looked on the map, but there's so many different places. It's pretty cool. But uh, needless to say, we're growing a lot. So uh, we have y'all to thank for that. So thank you. But uh, Dylan. How the heck are you? I'm wonderful. Fantastic, you may even call it. Fantastic. Um, nothing crazy has really happened, but um, it's been a good week. Um, got my house clean today. I'm very excited about that. To go home to a clean house. I've not been there since this morning, but... I bet they, them ladies have done great. Yeah, nothing really eventful has happened, but it's <coughs> it's been a great week. I got a little cough, apparently. Been a great week though. How about you? Muy bien. Um, I've been trying to implement Spanish more to my vocabulary. So far, it's consisted of Buenos Dias and Muy bien. But it's a step in the right direction. So, but my week's going great. It's just I'm ready to I'm ready to get done with school. Ready for the summer to be here. Um, work's picking up. School's picking up finals. So, just a busy busy plate being handed to me. But I'm ready. I'm ready for it to be over. Ready to be able to chillax a little more, and uh, yeah, that's about it though. It's been a good week. No bad weeks here. Not in Jacksonville. <laughs> Not in Jackson County. Lots <laughs> oh, well, in Jacksonville. That's actually a place too. But my place, me. Um, anywho, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it just because we we didn't talk about really any uh, Bible uh, last week. Um, last week was uh, more of a a ball hall instructional video kind of just giving our updates and our thoughts and kind of hopes for the future um, but this week we're going to be starting Matthew chapter 27 uh, last two chapters of the book uh, we're getting down to the nitty gritty everything that's been told in the other you see my Bible has it at 1,291 the other 1,290 pages have all been leading to this moment that we're going to be talking about I don't think we're going to get into the crucifixion or anything like that today, but we're going to get into some, uh, the, at least the first couple of verses leading up to it. And so today we move to Jesus' second trial that was conducted by the Romans. And the trial with Caiaphas that we read in chapter 26 is, has ended, and the Jewish authorities pronounced Jesus guilty um, of blasphemy, which is punishable by death. But However, the Romans did not allow the Jews to enforce that kind of capital punishment, so... Uh, we're going to read how he goes to Pilate, but Pilate doesn't want anything to do with him, so he sends him to Herod Antipas, um, but that's not recorded here in Matthew. You have to read Luke for those more details. Uh, but we're going to get right into it. Do you want to read me? Yeah. Go for it. So starting in chapter 27, verse 1, it says, When morning came, all of the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor, then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver 
to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went away and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it's blood money. So they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field as a burial place for the strangers. And therefore that field had been called the field of blood to this day. Then then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set um, by some of the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Uh, So... You're going to notice, especially in these last couple of chapters, that there's going to be a lot of Old Testament references. That is mainly Matthew doing all of that work. Uh, There is some other references like that in Mark and Luke and John, but Matthew seems to hit it it hard with the Old Testament uh, references because his whole purpose of writing this book is to show Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy. He is the Messiah. so before we kind of get more into uh, the discussion with Pilate and uh, that goes back and forth between him and Jesus, Matthew kind of takes a break and, and returns to Judas. And, you know, here we have Judas realizing, at least how, I hope, realizing his mistakes and he feels guilty. So he tries to return the money. And, and I don't know if he thought that maybe this could stop Jesus's trial or, or, you know, by turning the money back in, you know, whatever his reason was, you know, in he tried to do the right thing, I think, but it was already too late. And in Judas's mind, the only option left uh, was to kill himself. And so, when he takes the the chief priest, kind of takes the thirty pieces of silver and buys land to bury strangers who have died there. And by doing this, it has fulfilled that prophecy both in Jeremiah and Zechariah. But all you. Well, I mean, think about this you you see um the narrative kind of changes here in verse three so it says then i'll read this again then when judas his betrayer saw that jesus was condemned he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying i have sinned by betraying innocent blood and they said what is that to us see to it yourself so think about this you know he made a decision and he decided that hey what i did was wrong this was a mistake and basically when he brings the 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priest you know and he even you know he admits to it i have sinned by betraying innocent blood and they say you know basically you know we don't care basically it is what it is you made your decision you made your bed now go lay in it and Verse 5, and throwing it on the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed. So he's still trying to do good things. So he's going to throw this into the temple. Excuse me. And then uh, the chief priest kind of put a stop to that too and said, you know, we can't put this into the treasury. It's considered blood money. But, you know, the moral of the story here is, you know, he had recognized that he had sinned. He had recognized that he had made a mistake and does what we try to do a lot of the times. You know, we try to, to make up for what we've done or we try to to basically beg and, and even if we say we're guilty, 
the reality of it is what's done is done. And that goes for what Judas did and for what we do every day in our life when we sin. You know, what's done is, is done. He made his decision. And that's where Jesus comes in. And through his grace, we're saved. You know, and so basically they, with that money, bought a worthless piece of land. And unfortunately, he killed himself. He hung himself. Because he couldn't take the guilt of what was happening. But but that's, people think that's so miraculous, but that, that's not true. It's, that's what happens to us. You know, we, we sin, we make mistakes, and then we decide that, you know, hey, I feel guilty. But guys, what, what, when we sin, when we make bad decisions, what's done is done. And we've made our bed, we have to lay in it, but unfortunately, the good part of that story is is we have Jesus. We have the ultimate sacrifice. We have that grace that ultimately saves us because we can't get to heaven based on the mistakes that we make. So picking up there in verse 11, it says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. So here we, uh, you know, Pilate kind of, we jump back into the story where Pilate uh, starts to interrogate Jesus. And, you know, here, Jesus easily could have denied, you know, what he was said after Pilate said, Are you the king of the Jews? But um, he didn't, you know, that... That's why I'm going to read in, in Isaiah 53, verse um, 6 and 7. I'm trying to, my whole goal into describing this last part is to show you the, kind of going along with Matthew, the fulfillment of the Old Testament with the New, Test, uh, with the New Testament, how Jesus is the Son of God. But in, in Isaiah 53, verse 6 and 7, it says, all we, ha- all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone uh, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on uh, him the iniquity of the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to be slaughtered and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. So right here, it is um, continuing with that uh, prophecy fulfilling that Jesus remained silent, you know, and why? Because as Isaiah said, uh, the Lord caused our iniquity to fall upon Jesus like that lamb that was led to be slaughtered. He was silent Uh, for our sake you know and this goes back to to show you know the the choice that Jesus continually made throughout this whole process it wasn't when they first arrested him it wasn't when you know he made a decision to allow Judas to betray him he allowed them to beat him, all these things. And, you know, in verse 11, he stood before Pilate, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he just said, yes. Or you have said so. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, but when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things I testify against you? He's saying, do you not understand what is happening right now? Do you not see what you're being accused of? And Jesus didn't answer him. And that continually shows the choice that 
is being made continually throughout this entire process and that was because Jesus was destined to do the will of the Father. That that's what it's it's portraying here. That's what he's showing. That you know, yes, he understands the gravity of what's about to happen. Even when Pilate says, "Do you not understand what's about to happen?" But he remained silent. He gave him no answer, and that amazed Pilate. I mean, in the ESV, that's literally how it translates. So the governor was greatly amazed. And so that's something to think about. We'll talk about it more here in just a second. But I'll let Jackson pick up in verse 15. Uh, Now at the feast, the governor was uh, accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. Uh, And they had uh, them a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate uh, said to them, Whom do you want me to release for, for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides... Uh, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, having nothing to do with the righteous man, for I have surrendered much because of him today in a dream. Uh, now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and uh, destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which, which of the two uh, do you want me to release? Now they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do uh, with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said again, Why? Uh, What evil has he done? And they continually shouted, um, Let him be crucified. Go for it. So we have here Barabbas, who is a notorious prisoner, which means he's well known, which, which whatever, you know, he's done a lot of things, even to the point when he is sitting in the judgment seat. I find this interesting. His wife sent word, okay, this is how bad this guy is. His wife sent word and said, having nothing to do with this man, for I have suffered much because of him today. So he's been in jail. If he's a notorious prisoner, I'm sure he's been in jail for a while. And his wife sends word that says, basically, I've suffered a lot. I don't don't want anything to do with him. And... Uh, So So in verse 20, it says, Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for uh, Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So the the governor again said to them, Which of these two do you want me to release for you? So you have these, these two men setting up here. You have one that truly they don't even have evidence of anything that he's done. They're, they're saying he's guilty of blasphemy, but they don't have any concrete evidence as to, you know, why they're going to do what they do, what they're about to do. But, you know, that's, he's a good man. Even the governor's going to bat for him. You know, saying in verse 23, we're, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. We're saying, why? You know, what, what evil has he done? What, 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 I mean, that's one of the highest city officials. And he's saying, I don't really understand why we're wanting to crucify this man. So you have Barabbas and Jesus, you know, and I envision them kind of sitting side by side and a crowd in front of them and they're shouting, Barabbas, Barabbas, release Barabbas. And to me, that is just mind-blowing. And it's even mind-blowing to the governor because he's saying, why, Barabbas, why? 
These are saying, what do you want me to do with Jesus then? And they're saying, kill him. Crucify him. And Pilate is just dumbfounded. And, I mean, basically in the end, backs out of the situation. But he doesn't understand. And neither do we. You know, when we read the Gospels, we read about this decision that the people made it just seems insane but it's not because I want you to think about you as a person I want you to think about the decisions that you've made the decisions that I've made you know we really think about ourselves as whether we're followers of Jesus or not we're Barabbas that's us and it doesn't seem too crazy to think when we put ourselves in his shoes because I hope you're not a notorious prisoner maybe you are I don't know but I'm not I've never been to jail been pulled over for speeding quite a few times but I wouldn't consider myself a bad person or in jail or a prisoner for a criminal but Barabbas was guilty of doing wrong. And they released him and they're about to crucify Jesus. I mean, this guy's so bad. His wife says, you know, I don't even want anything to do with you. I've suffered even when we've been apart because of how terrible he is. And they let him go. They allowed Jesus to take his place. Guys, that's us. We're Barabbas. We're guilty of doing wrong every single day. We're, we're guilty of sin. We're guilty of making wrong decisions. We're guilty of treating people the way we shouldn't treat them. We're guilty of all these things. But yet Jesus went to the cross for us. The same way he went to the cross for Barabbas. So it's crazy until you're Barabbas. And, you know, if I was Jesus, if I was the son of God and I, I see them releasing this terrible criminal back into the world, I mean, I'd be going crazy. Like, you know, for the safety of these people, don't let them out. But he didn't say anything because he knew what he had to do. He knew the will of God. And so think about that. You know, if you're in, and put yourself in the shoes of Barabbas here, how thankful are you? Because it's either I get killed or Jesus gets killed. You know, that's the two options here. If we're saying we're Barabbas, either I get killed or Jesus gets killed and Jesus goes. You know, that should put into perspective the crucifixion for you. Because we are Barabbas. We are the one who makes mistakes. We're the one that's guilty every day. But yet, Jesus said, no, I'll go, I'll go in your place. I'm okay with that. So, I'll let Jackson pick up there. No, that's perfect. I, I think uh, I'd like to keep going. That was, that was a great way to end that. Uh, Picking up in verse 24, uh, some when Pilate saw that he was uh, gaining nothing, uh, 
but rather than a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See uh, to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and be on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, uh, delivered him to be crucified. Uh, I like how, well, not I like, but Pilate here kind of shows that he's tried several times. It's actually five separate times uh, to free Jesus. He's on, he's in, you know, for Jesus being free. And, you know, the, you mentioned Barabbas. Barabbas was clearly the, the worst choice to pick, but they picked him in, they picked him instead. And so he's with Jesus now with no luck. Uh, he decides to wash his hands, which just means it's a public demonstration that he finds no grounds of giving Jesus the death penalty. So with no luck, uh, he it leads Jesus to be scourged. And um, scourged is was a form of whipping. It, w- it was a short whip that was about two to three feet long. Um, and at the end of each of the strands were bits of small uh, metal balls or sharp pieces of bone that caused uh, severe lacerations. You know, the, the Romans would take these prisoners and uh, strip them down uh, and then they would tie them to a post with their back exposed and, and often times the scourging would cause so much blood loss that the prisoner would often be left unconscious or even dead. And uh, Romans did this to speed up the crucifixion process because a healthy man on the cross uh, can survive a couple of days being nailed there. Uh, but but that's what Jesus endured. You, know, you can find some depictions of what um, Hollywood has made up, uh, but it can't do it justice. Uh, I mean, some scholars who've done more research on these scourgings uh, uh, say that the whip would sometimes uh, catch the side of prisoners' face and tear their cheeks open and leave the face horribly disfigured. And and Jesus just wasn't bloody. Uh, his body was torn to shreds, a part of this scourging. You know, and the Romans were good at it. Their, their beatings were terribly cruel and those uh, who uh, often experienced it, uh, it was often fatal towards them. Um, Well, I want you to see here um, when, in verse 24, when Pilate, you know, washes his hands and and he does that in the form and he says, you know, this man's blood's not on my hands. You know, so he's confused at why they want to crucify Jesus, so he says, I'm done. And that introduces human fault. Now, I'm not saying Pilate's at fault, but you see the difference between a human commitment versus the commitment of Jesus that he has to you. And here's how. You have a man who is basically confused. He's upset. He doesn't understand why this is going on. So he says, you know what? I'm washing my hands. I'm done with it. You know, I'm done. And he walks away. Now, that's what any that that's what we deserve. You know, we deserve to be up on that cross. We we are Barabbas. We deserve, uh, you know, everything. Because guys, I don't care how amazing you think you are. We're just not good people. We live in sin every day. But most people, when they deal with with sin, they just want to dip their hands in water and say, "I'm done." And that's just not how Jesus works. You know, that's just not... He could have dipped his hands in water and said, I know this is the will of the Father, but I'm done. And he didn't do that. And Pilate did. But 
it shows you that Jesus will go to further ends than anybody else in the world will for you. You know, there is nothing that separates us from the love of God. It says that in Romans. Nothing. And I believe that. I truly believe. And that's what Paul was trying to tell the church at Rome. He was saying, guys, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And you're seeing it play out. Guys, and like, like Jackson said, Hollywood is, has tried to, to, to put this on the screen so you can see it. There's the chosen and there's all these things that you can watch. But nothing shows the love of Christ more than here because Pilate, like I said, is introducing human fault and walking away. And that's what Jesus should do. That's what he should do. He should dip his hands in water and say, I'm done. These people don't deserve it because we don't. We don't. He could wash his hands and say, Barabbas doesn't deserve to be released. He didn't. Neither do we. But yet he does it anyway. And so it just shows you the love of Christ. It shows you the love that he has, you know, towards his people. And so we'll keep reading here until verse 31, but then we'll get into uh, 32 next week. But it says, And the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and they took the reed, and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe, and put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. So here, to add insult to injury, uh, they continued to torment Jesus after a terrible scourging. And they mocked him, they placed a crown of thorns on his head, and they led him to be crucified. And you can visualize kind of uh, what we're saying about this horrible act, and it kind of brings up the question uh, oftentimes of, uh, of why. Why did Jesus have to suffer? Why couldn't he just die peacefully? Um, and I believe, and you mentioned Romans, and I'm going to go back there. Uh, Paul uh, says in Romans chapter 3, verse 24 through 26, uh, and, and are justified by his grace as gifts through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just in the justifier of the one who uh, has faith in Jesus. So Paul says we are justified or to uh, or declared not guilty for our sins by, uh, by God because Christ redeemed us. Uh, and redeem means to pay uh, the price to set someone free from under bondage. And and we're under bondage. Dylan's mentioned uh, earlier today about Barabbas and how we are Barabbas. We are under the bondage of sin. But Jesus, through this whole process, has paid the price that we should have paid. And that price was his blood. You know That could not have happened without suffering. But then Paul goes on to clarify that Jesus had to be publicly displayed as a propitiation in his, uh, in his blood. Now, propitiation is kind of a hard word to say, uh, but it means to appease or satisfy anger. Uh, you know, God has wrath against all sin, and, and the only thing that will appease or satisfy it is the blood of Christ. So, so Jesus here is our uh, propitiation because, because God is willing to accept his son's death in our place. And I think in 1 John chapter 4, 4 verse 10, it has one of the most comforting 
uh, verses in the Bible, in my opinion. And it says that in this uh, is love, not that we loved God, uh, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation uh, for our sins. So, but Jesus's death needed to be public so that God could demonstrate his righteousness in having overlooked sin. Paul mentioned that back in Romans, saying that God passed over sins previously committed so that he could demonstrate his righteousness in punishing Jesus. You know, God is not sin. He cannot turn a blind eye to sin. Sin deserves God's wrath, and Jesus took that. He absorbed that entire wrath. He got scourged. He got beaten. He's uh, he's being mocked. He's been spat on. He's been abused. That you and I should have deserved, and 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 he took it. You know, I'm forgiven because Christ took my place. And as we keep reading to see how Jesus is suffering, and that we continue to suffer to make that he will continue to suffer is to make it clear that sin deserves what we have avoided. Now, I think Jesus's extreme suffering. Um, on the way to the cross is kind of a reminder that some people, you know, don't like to hear it. Oftentimes, they don't like to read this portion for some reason. Uh, but you know, Jesus suffered as he made his way to death. But God doesn't want you to forget, you know, because our sins made this treatment necessary. And not to say that, you know, it did make it necessary. But Jesus, more importantly, wanted it. He could have spoke up, like Dylan said. He could have been like, you know what, I'm going to wash my hands. I think it's time for me to go home. Um, but he absorbed it because of his love uh, for us. And we're going to kind of get more into that as we go into the crucifixion. But the point is, knowing what he uh, has done for us and how that should change um, how we live. You know, Knowing that wrath that Jesus is experiencing here uh, was something that we deserved and has been poured out on him and not us should, in my opinion, give us cause to live differently. Give us cause to to act more like him, to be more thankful at least in a sense. And a lot of people aren't. But in in my case, reading this, uh, processing it is more of a thankfulness and how can I be better? Because Jesus died for my sins today, earlier today, and tomorrow. And that's what, what Paul has said in Romans multiple times and that's what Jesus is explain, is showing his love through right now. Take her home, Betty. Well, we hope you have a great week. Um, and I hope that you, you keep in mind um, the crucifixion. I hope you think about, you know, the love that that Christ has for you. That he has for you continually. That he has for you, you know, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I hope you think about that uh, this week. And then next week we'll... Um, We'll get into more of the actual act of the crucifixion. So, hope you have a great week, and we will see you next time. Next time. Have you?